Welcome to the Free Range Parenting Podcast. My name is Alexandra Baton-Bailey, and I'm so glad you joined me today. My kids are now growing up, or nearly uh, growing up. Hallelujah, and I just want to tell you I survived the madness. I'm now living my Anne of Green Gables best life, but for years I single-parented five kids, a multitude of college and high school students, which I somehow adopted, along with a small zoo of fostered and adopted animals, ranging from really stupid basset hounds to oversized tropical birds. Don't ask. I will likely tell you about it all. I apparently relish the madness. But here we go, one story at a time. The story of my parenting faux pas will hopefully bring you a few chuckles and make you feel a whole lot better about your own parenting blunders. So years ago, I nearly killed my three-year-old son in a grocery store. No, I, I not intentionally. Well, maybe not in a premeditated criminal sort of way, but more like a crime of absolute necessity due to mortal embarrassment. Let me explain. This particular son of mine, and as you know now, I have several, his early childhood was endlessly dotted with unintentional hilarity. So whenever we would sit around with friends and family and reminisce about the early childhood days of our kids, and a story would have a protagonist that would do something particularly ridiculous, it was always this boy, Harrison. He is, after all, the kid that sharpened his own finger, thinking he might be able to cast a spell from a witchy finger. Yeah, that happened. He's also the kid who launched a rock into the air and watched it land in his eye. The kid who strapped Super Monkey, a stuffed monkey with a Superman cape, thank you very much, Build-A-Bear, and thought he would be able to fly off our roof. And the kid who for an entire season or two would strip down to his skivvies and run around the house, hands tucked into his armpits, flapping around like a bird yelling puck puck chicken. But these are all stories for another time. This particular story begins weeks before with me discovering a multitude of opened, fanned-out tampons strewn around my house. In the most random of places, right? Behind the couches, in the sliding glass door tracks, in the game room, in the toy box, up and down the hallways. But not in the bathroom. But this was especially odd because I had just become a single mom. My politician, alcoholic ex-husband had just flown the coop, and with four kids under the age of nine, none of which had reached adolescence. And I was pregnant with baby number five. Yet tampons were everywhere. I really didn't want to explain the purpose of tampons to two preschool boys and a super awkward eight-year-old girl, so I refrained from asking who the responsible party was. You also don't want to go around randomly accusing people of playing with tampons. It honestly just feels weird. At the time, I'd also taken in a college student, temporarily in need of housing. We were both named Alex, and we were both pregnant. Now, since this was my fifth baby, the moment I thought I was pregnant, I looked like I was about to drop a 10-pound baby. In fact, I was so large, I actually couldn't reach my kitchen counter. It was really funny. The other Alex, or blonde Alex, or as we called her occasionally, little Alex, was not showing. This was a really large household to plan for and grocery shop for. Just imagine what it's like to grocery shop for that many people every week. So my weekly trip to the supermarket was quite an undertaking. A real adventure. 
It required significant planning and a somewhat cleaned out van, which didn't happen for me on a regular basis. We generally left a shoe graveyard in the back because somebody inevitably forgot their shoes and filled the glove box with socks and underwear in case somebody forgot those items of clothing. Um, And when that happened, they could randomly pick from the shoe graveyard or the sock bucket. We found this an absolute necessity because out of those kids, inevitably, someone forgot shoes, socks, and occasionally underwear. And we had plenty of spares they could select from because people always drop off their kids to the parents that have the most kids thinking, what's one more? Visiting friends very often left shoes behind, which we kept. If they forgot them, they became ours and belonged in the shoe graveyard. Except for the very stinky rain boots, which somebody left us probably on purpose. And Harrison insisted on wearing for multiple weeks without socks until the smell became so overpowering that everybody in the car was crying. At that point, I really had to get rid of those shoes. But otherwise, they could take their pick from whatever shoes were left in the graveyard in lieu of their own. Once in the grocery store, our trip required two carts and some very important ground rules. Since everyone was under the age of nine, I went with four minions in tow, in desperate need of a wheelbarrow for the fifth, which I was still carrying, and this is how it worked. Ella, age 18 months, and with superhuman abilities to wriggle out of even the most effective and restrictive five-point harness, was in a car seat, which she could get out of, was in one of the carts, the one pushed by me at first. In the cart with the built-in seats that looked like a truck, we placed Harrison, aged three, generally complacent, especially when placated with a bakery cookie and whatever oddball items he'd collected in his pockets that day, and Henry, aged four, was in the other seat of that pretend green truck. Also generally happy to go along so long as he could bribe his brother for his cookie or tease him mercilessly. This was Henry's sport of choice. Daphne, my oldest, was nine years old and pushed the empty cart that had two boys in it and would eventually hold all the groceries. We always started near the deli and bakery where the kids would get a free cookie. The cookie would last about half the store, and then we had to find some other form of entertainment until we got to the fruit and vegetables section where all the kids would get a free balloon. This would sustain us until we got to the car. Hopefully. When the food cart got too heavy or when we approached the breaking point of boredom, teasing, and whining, we pulled out the magic card for the boys. The opportunity to walk alongside the cart. Though I myself would have loved to ride in that cart at the time. Walking seemed like such a privilege to the boys that they generally behaved well when given the opportunity. On this particular day, we made it all the way to the cereal aisle before the dreaded, Can I walk? request came. Why dreaded? Because it's a lot more challenging to monitor roaming toddlers, a baby, and two grocery carts. It seemed like an ordinary day, and I thought we would be fine. I was so desperately wrong. I remember it like yesterday. I first pulled Henry out and reminded him to hold on to the cart and stay near me. He diligently wrapped a chubby little hand around the handle and waited for me to let Harrison down. I scooped Harrison out of the cart and went to gently set him down by the cart. In his eagerness to get down, he slithered down my side much like a squirrel scurrying down a tree. As soon as his feet hit the ground, I was preparing to give him the same reminder I'd given Henry moments ago. Hold on to the cart and stay near me at all times. But just as those little monkey feet hit the floor, 
several things happened in quick succession. Rather than Harrison grabbing the cart handle, his hands flew to his pockets, and he started running down the aisle as fast as those chubby little legs and mismatched shoes would go. Which is pretty fast, compared to an enormously pregnant woman with two grocery carts. I felt I was left with very few choices, and the first one to run through my mind was to run and launch myself at Harrison, a landing on him, and putting an end to his tampon shelling of aisle nine. This might well result in his death. I mean, I was really big. However, in a moment of lucidity, and I mean a moment, which saved him from being pancaked by an overripe pregnant mom, I ran as fast as when my wheelbarrow-worthy stomach would allow me to grab Harrison and any remaining rockets. I looked at Daphne with eyes that said, we are done here, and we headed for the car. Once home, I had to give Henry and Harrison the menstrual cycle reproduction dreaded talk in as much detail as possible and as biologically accurate as possible. No frills, made-up words to refer to anatomy, no peanuts for testicles, penises, vaginas. We were accurate in our descriptions. The whole unfiltered truth. It did not help that Henry was curious and asked endless questions that required further and additional detailed explanations. Harrison just watched and listened, gaping like a surprised goldfish. Once Henry ran out of questions, he informed me that he was never going to ask me another question because that was gross. Fine by me. Really, I did not feel like explaining any of this again, especially in such depth to a three- and four-year-old boy. I'm sure I terrified them. But I guess maybe not nearly enough. Fast forward a few years. Ella and Harrison are climbing into the van together. Ella's probably about four and Harrison's six. And guess what Harrison sees on the floorboard of the van in front of Ella's seat? You got it. A tampon. Why it was there, I have no idea. Harrison, in his sweetly innocent voice, says, Ella, guess what these are? These are rockets. I just as quickly turn and say, Now, Harrison, are those really rockets? Harrison's face flushed with embarrassment, and in a flash of horrified remembrance, he quickly blurted out, Ella, these are not rockets. They are not rockets. He remembered after all. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Free Range Parenting and that it offered you a little bit of encouragement in your own ridiculous journey. If you were ever adopted into our clan and remember a story you would like to hear recorded, or if you have your own embarrassing parenting story that you're willing to share, reach out. I would love to hear from you. I've decided the more mortifying the story, the better. Let's get over ourselves together. After all, parenting is a comedy of errors where we are all the butt of the joke. See you soon. Last time when I saw him, he was smiling to me He was singing the song Feeling happy and hopeful too He was dancing with a jar Then